Welcome to the Pretty Happy Podcast. My name is Sam. And I'm Sarah. And we're the parents of Zoe, a child with Rett syndrome. And welcome to episode 14. Woohoo! We're uh, getting close to a year on this. No, we're not. Yes, we are. Every episode is closer okay. to a year. <laughs> okay. Summer's going to fly by. The summer is going to fly by. Yeah. That is true. And so we're close. But, no. Yes, we are. We're more than six months away. That's not close. Yeah, but how many episodes is that for a full year? I don't know. I can't do math right now. Uh, 26. Okay, well, if you put it like that. Yeah, that's the way I'm looking at it. <laughs> I'm thinking time-wise, not episode-wise. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm specifically talking about the podcast. Well, <laughs> anyway. We're so close to a year. <laughs> no, we're not. But Fine. okay, I'll take it. <laughs> All right, well, let's just jump right into uh, the segment. So, Sarah... What have you got for us today? Well, we're going to talk about hippotherapy today. Hippos. I hippos. love hippos. I know, right? Therapy with hippos. Do you remember that that cow stuffed animal that Zoe had? You always called it a hippo. Yes. It was a cow. Because it looked like a hippo. It was a cow. It looked like a hippo. It was a cow. It was a water cow. Anyway, um, it was not a hippo. It was a cow. Not the point. Hippotherapy. Water That's what we're talking are, about. Our buffalo. Hush. Okay. <laughs> um, anyway, hippotherapy. I'm really excited to talk about hippotherapy because um, we were able to apply for a grant for Zoe to do hippotherapy because our insurance does not cover that. Um, surprise. Yeah. All when, you, when... All you special needs parents know exactly what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway. So we have to find, we either pay out of pocket or we find sources outside of insurance that can help pay for that. And one of the ways is through grants. And so we were able to to apply for a grant and it was accepted. So Zoe's going to be able to do some hippotherapy this summer, which I'm really excited about because she actually has done it before. When has uh, Zoe ever worked with hippos? Oh my gosh. Um, but in all seriousness, was, <laughs> what is hippotherapy? So, okay, so hippotherapy is horse therapy. Um, so essentially you're using a horse to help your child with either PT or OT or a combination of them. Um, but it's also good for like emotional health as well. There's something about connecting with an animal that's it's just very uplifting and it's very nourishing to your soul. Um, and so Zoe was able to do that um, when she was in early intervention. Um, so before three, they have, we were in Utah and it's called early intervention um, and it's therapies. And uh, they have a state program Um, that Zoe was able to participate in and it was hippotherapy and so um, she got to ride on these little horses and it was the cutest thing ever 
she loved they it. Were, they were they were ponies. They were ponies. Yeah. Yeah. So like they little Shetland uh-huh. ponies. They weren't full grown horses. They were they were little ponies, which is perfect because they're dealing with little kids, and you know you don't want something too big for for a little kid. But um, it was awesome. She loved it. Loved it, loved it. And so what they'll do is they'll have her, you know, try and um, maintain a grip. They'll work on your core strength. So sitting up on the horse, um, it really works your core. And hippotherapy is very, very good for your gait. So you're walking. Um, Because the way that a horse walks is the most similar to how a human walks. So getting your body, your hips to move as if you were walking is almost like on a horse, it's almost a match to how you would normally walk. The way that your body moves when you're sitting on a horse. If only you guys could see Sarah demonstrating it with her shoulders. <laughs> the words I'm Sauntering trying to, back and forth. <laughs> I'm trying to make the words come out of my mouth right. So I'm explaining this clearly. Um, anyway. So yeah, so it's it's a huge benefit for individuals with special needs, not just Rett syndrome, but you know, others as well. Um, and they she would sit on the horse backwards. She would sit on her side. She would like sitting lady, lady style. Is that what it's called? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. With both of her feet, her both of her legs off the side, off side to one saddle. side. Side saddle. Is that the right? I don't know. I, I don't know. Side last saddle time, sounds right. Last time I rode a horse, I got bucked off. Remember? <laughs> I do remember that. <laughs> Yeah, in, in, into the prickle bushes. Okay, right into the prickle bushes. But you got back on. Was that uh, horse's name Penny? I think it might have been. Yeah. Yeah, she was a pretty horse, but something something happened. Something <laughs> happened, and she bucked me off into the prickle bushes. But you won't have to worry about that with therapy horses. No, because they are very very well trained. Yeah. Yep, they go Penny, through a lot of training. Yeah, Penny was not a therapy horse. No, um, no. she so, was just a. Yeah, it's probably a good thing that you, you we clarify that because yes. I didn't even think about me bringing that up. <laughs> yeah, Penny is not a therapy horse. Um, but, but it's kind of like a, it's kind of like a um, a service dog, not an emotional support animal. I'm talking like an actual service dog. Oh, where they've had there's extensive training. Mm-hmm. Um, there are plenty of dogs who are, they, they go through the process of becoming service dogs and just, they just can't, yeah, they can't make it, you know, and they're not punished because of that. It's just the nature of the situation where they, their behavior is such or things aren't clicking with them or Or it's just their nature. Yeah. Yeah. They they don't don't have have the right temperament. Yeah. They don't have any interest, you know, in doing um, some of those things that are required of them. And it's going to be the same thing with yeah. these horses and yep. these ponies. They're going through an extensive process, a training process where they're being constantly evaluated by mm-hmm. 
professionals. You have to be accredited too, don't you? You do to do yeah. to do hippotherapy. Yeah. Yeah. So don't go down to your local ranch and say, "I just want to put my kid on on the back of a horse and just have him go around." That's that's not the proper way to do the do hippotherapy. Um, you can do that, and that's fine. But just don't expect to get the same. Um, I guess return on investment as you would going directly to a hypotherapist. Yeah. Because with the hypotherapist, the, the people that are working with you are therapists. They're usually PTs or OTs and they've been trained in their respective, um, therapies. Yeah. In that field. Yeah. Um, and then they've had training with the horses. Yeah. So there's, there's extra training going on, but yeah, so we are super excited because Zoe's going to be able to do hippotherapy again. And she did that when she was two. She was almost three at the time. Um, we were able to just do, I think she only had like four or five sessions before she turned three. Yeah. So, and then she aged out of the program. Um, so we're really excited for her to to try it again. And it's it's so fun to watch her because you can tell she responds to it so well because you'll put her up on the horse and she'll be like slouching and not really engaged. And once that horse starts moving, she immediately straightens up her back (laughs) and she sits up straight and she's like attentive and looking around and very conscious of, of keeping her balance. It's really cool to watch. It's really cool to watch. It's almost like, um, when you walk into a room and people are all sitting there and you say, did you know if you straighten your back and everybody immediately straightens their back? <laughs> I, I saw a video recently where uh, it was something to do with if you do this with your tongue in your mouth, it can cause this. And then it did a jump cut to somebody saying, and let me guess, you're doing it right now with your own tongue. And I was doing it. I was like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> but, yep. but I imagine that's the exact same thing, you know. With, uh, you know, Zoe getting on a horse. Yeah, she, once the horse starts moving, she immediately just straightens up and is like, oh, we're going. Okay. And she starts engaging everything. Mm -hmm. It's really cool to watch. So I'm very excited. And she, she really likes the horses too. So I'm, I'm very excited for her to be able to, to interact with them. That'll be really good. That's exciting, and we—I think we're uh, we're looking at an eight-week program, right? Yep, yep. So that'll be really great for Zoe. I'm really excited about it as well. Um, so if you are interested in finding out more on hippotherapy, uh, go uh, and get the information straight from the horse's mouth. Oh. And go to the American <laughs> Hippotherapy Association's website, AmericanHippotherapyAssociation.org. Uh, we're going to go ahead and put a link in the show notes. Um, but one of their quick links on their website, find a therapist directory. There you go. So uh, you'll be able to find a therapist near you if you live in the United States. And uh, a lot of good information there on the benefits of hippotherapy. What you want to look for as far as uh, focuses uh, when you're doing those therapies and whatnot. So definitely check that out in the show notes.
Welcome back, everybody, and we are very excited to have a special guest with us today, Courtney Barnum, who is with RET University, and she has been part of the RET community for many, many years, and we are so excited to talk with her and get to know her. Uh, we talked very briefly before we started recording, but uh, Courtney, as uh, pretty much everybody listening knows, she's a, a celebrity in our community. Yep. <laughs> she's no. giggling over there because it is kind of silly. It absolutely is kind of silly. But, but it's, it's true. It's very true, it's true. You know, when people are, are having such a large impact uh, on, on what uh, individuals with Rett syndrome have to deal with and, and making their lives better. Um, word gets around and, uh, your name has gotten around Courtney and it's all been for good. At least that's what I've heard. So welcome. <laughs> that's a good thing. Cause I can tell you in the district that I worked in, it was not for good. <laughs> <laughs> and, and when it was probably, uh, it was probably a good thing that it wasn't, uh, uh, good that they were, or it was bad, I guess is what right. it is. So, cause that well, means, uh, like I met. Yeah, I met the I met the superintendent when I won an award one night, and he took a pic. You know, somebody's like, "Oh, let's get a picture of you and the superintendent." And I'm holding my award, and he goes, "You know, Barnum, I don't know what to do with you." And I said, "Why?" And he goes, "Because everybody, he goes, your parents, your students absolutely adore you. Your administrators hate you." <laughs> <laughs> well, <I don't> care. <laughs> your your job is not to please administration; it's to please exactly. families. So, yep. Well, awesome. Thank you so much, Courtney, for coming on. Uh, this is uh, my first time getting to meet Courtney face to face, but I have heard her voice in our home many times. Yeah, we have uh, we have started uh, having uh, lessons with uh, with Rhett University. It's been a month. No. Yep. We started in yeah. March. Yep. So, yeah. so, so we are new to Rhett University, but uh, it's I'm, amazing. It is. It is. But uh, I'm not going to lie. It was one of the first things that I saw uh, when we got our diagnosis. Uh, that was one of the first places that we ended up going to. I think first rettsyndrome.org. And then after that, it was Rhett University. It was. And I saw it too. And I got really, really overwhelmed by it. And then I, I, uh, pushed it aside mm -hmm. <laughs> but we're back we're, we're, we're ready we're actually now working on like making the website i want to make it more streamlined for like if you're a new parent this is where you need to go and this yeah is yeah That's, we're working on that because nice. it's very over i do it was I know very overwhelming and so i was like so i don't yeah. even know where to go <laughs> or what to do and plus we're we had just gotten our we had just gotten our diagnosis too so we weren't even that was not the first thought on my on my mind yeah. at that point either. No. So <laughs> absolutely still processing. So but Courtney, tell us about yourself. Uh, who are you? Why do you do what you do? What do you do? Uh, a little bit about Rhett University. Let's just jump right into it. Okay, well, um, I think the most important uh, role or hat I ever wore in my life was being Christy's little sister. Um, my sister Christy lived with Rett syndrome for 51 years and she was 10 years older than me and pretty much um, taught me everything I know. And the long story short of it is I, when I graduated from high school and decided I wanted to do something, I wanted to go to college to do speech. I wanted to work with communication devices. I wanted to hear my sister talk. That was my goal in life. Um, and I started going to college and my professors looked at me and said, well, you're not going to do that. Like that's not until master's level. 
you're going to work with the kids who can't say pa and ba. And I'm like, I don't care about those kids. They're not important to me. (laughs) 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 My professor looked at me and said, this is probably not the place for you. And at that point, I was actually working in a, at a school in my school district, um, this district that I end up teaching in, as a paraprofessional. And my teacher said, "Well, why don't you go back and get your teaching degree, and be a special ed teacher?" And I'm like, "Because I don't want to teach. I don't want to teach. Like that's not my thing." And she's like, "I understand that." She's like, "But go teach for a couple of years, work on your master's in speech, and and do what you want." Well, long story short, I went back to school and got my special ed degree. And again, kept getting threatened to be put in regular ed. And I was like, if you do that, I'm quitting mm-hmm. because I don't like those children. <laughs> I, mean, I, I love regular children, typical children. Don't get me wrong. But <laughs> my heart is uh, has always been with, with kids with disabilities. Like that's mm-hmm. what I've known my whole life. So it just was, that was my happy place. At least my kids had a reason for doing some of the things they did. The other kids, not so much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, you know, and so I started teaching and really the goal was to just do it a couple of years and get my master's in speech language so I could work with communication. And that kind of fell to the wayside and I just kept teaching and kept teaching and kept teaching and causing trouble in my district in a way. I was a really good teacher, but I did advocate for my kids. And um, in 2000s like I had I met Susan I think in 2015 yeah 2014 or 2015 um I went to a retinue training in Orlando and I did I walked up to Susan at the end of it and said I want to be you when I grow up and I also asked her how to get you know if it was too late for my sister to talk and she said no and so with Susan's help we got a trial device and I got to hear my sister talk at the age of 50 with a device and got to hear her say I love you and got to hear her tell me off, which was kind of the best thing ever. <laughs> um, and I just really kind of started going, this is, you know, watching Susan and doing stuff. And I was like, I'm not happy at the district anymore. This is not what fulfills me. And um, after losing Christy, I'll be honest, I had no desire to teach or do much of anything. Um, Christy really was my world. I think in a way I knew I was out of all of my siblings, I was going to be the one to take care of her. So I started like going to meetings at a very young age with my mom and doing, you know, hospital stays and everything else. So I, that was my life. Like Christy was my world, you know? And so losing her was kind of like, oh crap, what do I do now? Like I, I didn't know what to do. And then I'm teaching and I got to tell you, my patience for adults and other people was just no, because I missed my sister and I didn't under, like, it just, it was hard. So I um, took a year off after like probably the worst year of, you know, worst year of my teaching career, took a year off and I called Susan and Roger and I'd already been kind of doing some stuff with RETU, but not a lot just because of Christy getting sick and everything. And uh, I said, hey, I'm, um, you know, got some availability if you guys need help. And Roger's, oh, great. Here, we're going to have you do this. And I was like, oh, okay. And uh, I started doing it. And, you know, I was like, oh, my God, I'm starting to feel like I have a purpose in my life again. Um, You know, getting to work with kids like Christy and doing things and going into a district and actually having them go, you're the expert, instead of being told that I was a troublemaker was really like earth shattering to me. 
Um, but that's kind of where everything went. And so I, at the end of my year leave, I was like, well, yeah, I'm not going back to the school district. So I'm officially retired because I had like, there was a long stupid thing with sick leave and all that, that I had to retire, but um, I'm retired from the school district. And now I work full time for RETU and I'm the training coordinator. So I work with, you know, talking, I'm the one who does the intake of parents and families and districts and things like that. I set up Susan and I's training, and then I also see clients and keep Susan in track on track, as she says. I kind of make sure she's <laughs> she needs to be. <laughs> so everybody needs one of those people. I, I got to <laughs> go back and, and tell you why I was I was laughing because that I I think I've told you this a number of times, Sarah, that I don't care about other children it, when it comes to he Zoe. He doesn't. Um, I I love children. Uh, that's Dude. part of my job. I think they are great. But yes! when it comes to my child, and if obviously in your situation, uh, your RET children or your special education, special needs children that you are working with, you you love them more and the rest, they, they can live in the street for all you care because these are the ones that you have been given stewardship over. Yes. And uh, I've always felt it was a little cynical of me to look at it that way, but you have just validated me, Courtney. <laughs> Probably that uh, may not be the best thing. I, I was just gonna say that actually, but... <laughs> probably wasn't the best. <laughs> but it's been I have been validated, and I feel great now. <laughs> I will. I will tell you. I think it was my second year of teaching, or no, it was my first year of teaching, and I had a rough first year, like to the point that I was in the doctor's office more times than not, um, and I was like my friends thought my ex-husband was abusing me because I was so covered in bruises. I taught a very, very violent young lady with autism and she made sure I knew who she was. Oh, geez. We'll never forget her. I love her to death. Um, but I remember a teacher walking up to me the one day after school and she goes, I don't know how you're still smiling at the end of the day. And I was, I was like, I go, I don't know how you're smiling at the end of the day. At least my kids have a reason for being the way you are. <laughs> and she was like, <laughs> Did you really just say that to me? Mm -hmm. I was like, yeah, I did. Cause don't, I never, like, I, I, I literally grew up not understanding that I knew there was something different with Christy, but we, we were a sarcastic, goofy family. And we threw that with Christy. Like we were goofy and sarcastic with her. So it was never a, oh, you're less than, or you're not, it's you're one of us. And so that was how I always was with my kids. And I didn't understand when people looked at my kids and saw them as the, oh, we have to pity them or, oh, we have to, I'm like, why? They're fine. Yeah. Or, or oh, we have to deal with them or yeah. all of no. that. No, it's, <laughs> yeah. I, I had this very same conversation today with somebody at, at the office and I pointed out to him that now I've begun to understand because I've, I've had that same viewpoint up until now. Um, now that we have a child with special needs, I'm beginning to understand that my viewpoint was very narrow. And um, I'm beginning to realize that all of us are essentially computers that have some faulty programming in it in exactly. one way or another. We each have something that's a little wonky. And uh, for some of us, it's a little more prevalent and more at the forefront. For others, it's in the background. It can't be seen. Uh, it's invisible. So absolutely, absolutely. I completely agree with you on that. And uh, I feel great now. <laughs> Sorry, Sarah. It's okay. You know, it's just, it's life. It when, is. It is. 
Well, okay. So w- w- tell us, tell us what Rhett University is. What is the purpose of of the organization? What is it that you guys are trying to do? We are trying to a teach the world about how amazingly smart and awesome and uh, wonderful and totally in there our kids with Rhett are, and not just Rhett, but all complex needs. Um, Susan and I have both worked with a variety of different children with different disabilities, Angelman's spinal muscular atrophy, autism, Down syndrome. I mean, we have really worked with a lot of different kids. And what we're finding is the stuff that we do with Rhett syndrome, with Rhett U, and how we approach literacy and communication is really very helpful to all of those kids. Um, as I had once said in my, when I, after I went to Rhett U and started doing the trainings and stuff, what we, what I did in my class of children for children with autism did not work does not work with our complex kids. But what I do with my complex kids works for my kids with autism. Um, Hmm. Yeah. So we, our biggest goal is communication and literacy. Because if our children with complex needs can communicate and they can read and write, their whole world is open to them. Um, If they can't, they are very limited. And I saw that with my sister. She had to rely on everybody else for entertainment, for things like that. She didn't really have anything she could do by herself. Um, now we have girls who are learning how to read who can, we can put a book on Voice Dream Reader for them on the app and they can read a book by themselves. We have girls who are taking, you know, college courses. We have girls who are killing fourth grade standards. You know, we have girls who are in there and we're changing, we're trying to change the paradigm of how people look at our kids with complex needs when they're teaching them. Yeah, we, I, I think, uh, and maybe I've already, I've already said this on the podcast before, but I think it's us needing to understand that the way that we are communicating with one another right now in, in, in this conversation, um, that's one way to communicate. Mm-hmm. Uh, these individuals with, the, with whatever it is, that they have, we need to figure out a way. We need to crack the code. We have a responsibility to go in and say, well, what can I do to find out how you communicate? An example from from today, I get home from work and uh, I mean, Zoe's got her eye gaze device, but I got home a little bit later. It's already put away. We're getting ready for bed. And I was able to pick Zoe up and I asked her about her day. And we have we now have a form of communication where when we make eye contact, that means yes. When she looks away, that means no. And I went through everything that would typically happen in a day. And I talked with her about all of that. And I think that's probably one of the first times that it's been, tell me about your day. And we have had a a conversation. Obviously that's incredibly limited. Um, And, and that's what the eye gaze does is it provides uh, a much wider vocabulary and ability, like you're talking about, being able to not just communicate, but then also read books, uh, being able to grow your imagination and and have something that's very typical for uh, uh, I hate saying normal child, but I always <laughs> a, child. a neurotypical child. Yeah, and they and 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 these children should be treated as normal children. They are normal. Once again, like I was saying, I really strongly believe now we are all computers 
that have <laughs> applications and software that it's just slightly screwed up. Some of us are physically dented up. Some of us have, are, have uh, a pristine casing, but inside there's a little bit of water damage. I don't know. Right. Right. But um, in that case, it makes us all normal. And it's just a yeah. matter of figuring out how do we work with this? Right. How do we make it work? It almost right. seems like you guys at Rate University have uh, cracked the code. And I don't, <laughs> I, don't, I don't mean that sarcastically at all. It really seems like you guys have figured out a way to get inside the minds of, of these individuals and, and bring them out. Well, that's where thanks to Susan and the first girl with Rhett that she ever worked with is kind of what started it. Susan actually um, was working mostly with children with autism mm -hmm. and started working with a young lady who um, was diagnosed with autism and was doing learning her letters, learning her sounds, learning all that stuff like that, learning to read. And then she got chicken pox and she regressed. And when she regressed, that's when the hand ringing came out. And that was when she got diagnosed with Rett syndrome. And Susan's like, okay. And so the little girl comes back afterwards and she still maintained all of her skills, the letters, the sounds, the things like that. And Susan's going, wait a second. I've always been told that our kids with Rett syndrome are intellectually disabled yeah. and they can't learn and everything else like that. And then here's this little girl who's going, yeah, no, I'm, I got this. Let's keep going. And that was kind of what drove Susan and really got her where she started going more towards Rett syndrome and working with kids with Rett and kind of coming up with stuff that worked with our kids. And now I just follow in her footsteps and learn and, and grow and, and try to get as much as possible so I can, you know, continue this because it's, it's amazing. Like when Zoe told me the other day when we were working together, you are funny, you know, and I just, I, it cracked me up because I was like, you know, I love that her little conversations and being able to see our kids, our adults learn how to talk. I mean, I will tell you the day Christy told me, I love you. I cried for four hours afterwards, like nonstop, because it was amazing to hear my sister tell me, I knew she loved me. I had, had no doubt in my mind that she loved me because man, her smile, when I would walk into the room and her head butt kisses told me she loved me. But to hear her say it was just, the best feeling in the world, you know, because it was just yeah. like, oh my God, those words are so important. And our girls and boys deserve to have those words open to them. And the problem that we face now is, I will tell you, going to the College of Education, they don't teach us how to work with the kids with complex no. needs. No. They don't teach us what to do. And so that's where we have to go in and help these teachers because most of our teachers are want to learn. They want to learn how to do it. They just don't know how to do it. Yeah. And so that's where we go is we're like, okay, let's teach them. Well, our teacher, I mean, Zoe's teacher has been incredible with that, where she's asking us what resources can we look at? What can we, you know, what can we view? What can we read? What, what do we need to do to make this happen yeah. for her? And, you know, we've sent them, I've sent them links to videos from Rhett U. I've sent them, uh, we record sessions with that when Courtney works with Zoe and those get sent to her teachers so that they can view them and they can see what Courtney's doing so that they can start implementing that in the classroom with Zoe. And it's huge. And we even have um, our speech therapist. So our, our in-home speech therapist 
We make sure she's on the calls so that yeah. she knows what's going on. And like, even her, she's said too, like, they don't teach this to us. This is completely different from everything. And she's like, I'm, I'm questioning every child <laughs> I've ever taught yeah. because well, it's this new way of thinking yeah. for her that it's yeah. just like, but it makes sense. Yeah. It does. It's a completely new language, number one. And number two, it's a completely new um, mass use technology. Because yeah. if you think about the technology that's in that tiny little Toby Dynavox, just 10 years ago, that that would have been out of the question. It would have been in research at, at large universities that they were doing trials of to see, you know, how can we do this? And I'm grateful that money was spent on it, but it's unfortunate that it couldn't have have been made more widely available in uh, higher education for these special education teachers, for them to be able to see yeah. what the potential is. And I think in, in the coming decades, and I mean, I think I'm being a little pessimistic by saying decades, but uh, I think in the coming decades, it's going to become much more prevalently available, um, much more widely understood. And I think it's going to be thanks to not just resources that that RET University is providing, but I think it's us as families taking the time to sit down with our therapists and with educate. the educators to educate yeah. them and let them know, um, okay, that's fine that you don't know about it, but let's work together because we didn't know right. about it at the beginning either. No. Yes, you have formal education uh, when it comes to special ed or therapy or whatever it is, but it doesn't mean that things don't change. Things are always changing and, and we all need to be willing and open to new ideas and, and growing. So, right. Well, that's, that's one of Susan and I's favorite things. We walk in and we'll, we'll, we'll walk into school and I'm like, okay, you meet teachers and, you're, and therapists and you're like, okay, are you a willing to learn or are you a know-it-all? Mm, yeah. If you're a know-it-all, it kind of makes it, you know, those are the ones that are kind of like, no, no, no. And I'm like, okay, well, can you try it? And just see what happens. The willing to learns are amazing because they're like, please teach me, teach me more, yeah. teach me more. You know, and it's just trying to change that paradigm because we have to change the paradigm. Our kids are smart and they deserve yeah. it. Well, it's yeah. been really interesting because there have been a few individuals who have worked with Zoe who, before we started working with Courtney, we were using a very, very small uh, number of choices, I should yes. say. Um <laughs> It, we were you, we were limiting Zoe's vocabulary. We were limiting we were, her vocabulary. We, we were teaching were, her. We were teaching her one word at a time. Yeah. One. So there would be like two choices on there, and then you know. Don't make fun of us, Courtney. Maybe we'd add a third. <laughs> we, we are not so alone. This is this is <laughs> no. That's how we were told to do it. This is norm, and this we didn't know. Norm. So we were doing that, and then there were a couple of individuals when we switched to these these new pages for the Toby where it's like With hundreds of words, so many words. Over. It's such a robust system, right? Vocabulary. Vocabulary. They, they looked at it. There was, there was one person who looked at it and was like, how are we supposed to do this? What is this? And they're like, I can't even navigate where everything is. Mm -hmm. And then they put it in front of Zoe and she's like, she's like switching through pages and they're like, what? Mm -hmm. And it's been so cool to see. Like she hasn't been working with it like that robust for the very long, but she's doing great. Yeah. She is. She's doing great. And she's telling people off and she's mm -hmm. being her sassy self. 
And it's awesome. It. Yeah. It's so great. Yeah. It, it's funny how we look at, um, we look at eye gaze communication differently than the way that uh, you and I, Sarah, are teaching our younger boys to speak. We do. We, we simply speak to them. We simply speak to them and invite them to respond. Mm-hmm. Um, at least what we we've done is, is... We don't wait to check each word to make no. sure they've learned each word before we say it. And then also we're responding to them. Like if they're struggling to respond to us, we help them by responding in full sentences saying, you say this. And yet we decided with Zoe in the beginning, okay, we're going to give her two words today and we're just going <laughs> to use those two words. And it's like, What? That makes absolutely no sense. I mean, this is not the way children learn. We, and we right. have proof in our in our own home yeah. that that is not the way. We've but, got three kids. Yeah. So we, we Sarah and I were having a conversation before we hopped on about, uh, you know, how can we be better advocates for Zoe when it comes to use of her eye gaze, um, especially outside of the home? And one of the concerns that Sarah had raised with me is in a classroom, Let's say that Zoe decides she has something she want to sh- she wants to share in that moment. Any kindergartner all the way up through high school, the child will speak up and the teacher will say no, not now and hold it till later. Well, we have to have different we have to recognize that teachers are going to see Zoe's eye gaze as a computer first, right. not as her voice. And we, we have concerns, rightly so, that they are going to walk over and power down her device or mute it, which mm-hmm. Sarah pointed that out. That is akin yeah. to literally taking duct tape and putting it over, and typing, yeah. over that student's yeah. mouth saying, no, no, you're not going to do that right now. Yeah. Uh, and while, yes, absolutely, it's going to bring a whole new set of challenges, not only in our home, but also in classrooms, going back to what we were talking about before we have a responsibility to help them understand how to navigate this world with the tools that are available for them. And uh, so, yeah, anyways, I have no (laughs) idea where I was going to go else with that, but I did have a a question going to a completely separate topic, Courtney. Um, So tell us what, um, what it was like being a sibling to not just uh, an individual who had Rett syndrome, but to somebody with special needs. What was that like growing up? My family was very different. Sarah's family was very different. None of our families had anybody who was even remotely similar to uh, to Christy or to Zoe. Uh, what was that like? I will say it was the best part of my life, but also the hardest. Like I'm not gonna sugarcoat it and pretend like everything was peachy keen and wonderful because being Christy's little sister did have its really hard times. Um, but like I said, I was 10 years younger than her. So, um, and I, my, as you know, as because the times were very different, Christy had gone into a group home um, down the road from us when she was 10. Um, they didn't have the school programs like they had now and things like that. Um, my mom almost went to jail for truancy because she stopped sending Christy to school because Christy was in like what would be like a kind of a mixed class now. And she was very small of stature, had a very uneven uneven gait. And she was getting knocked over and kind of beat up, not on purpose, but just kind of knocked over by the kids a lot. So my mom didn't feel safe sending her to school, especially with Christy's seizures. So they were gonna put her in jail for truancy because Christy wasn't going to school. 
Um, so long story short, you know, and by that point, my parents were already starting to have, you know, issues. So things were just kind of, you know, boiling over and Christie's neurologist said, you know, Hey, you know, Pat, I have a really great, you know, I think it's, you know, I think this is where we need, what we need to do. So Christy went into the home and I got, mom got pregnant with me right after. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> so mom, like, I will be very honest. I was actually baptized at the home in front of all the kids because the, all the kids had been, you know, rubbing mom's belly for all nine months. Well, actually 10 months. Cause I was a month late and everything like that. And so mom decided to have mom and dad decided to have me baptized at the home. Um, funniest story was, I guess there was a little one there and the nurse like had told him, if I don't cry, it means the devil's still in me and I <laughs> forever to start crying when they put the water on my head. And so mom was like, I guess when the, when like it finally happened, the kid was like, <laughs> thank you, God. Um, I was going to say, if you, if you never actually cried, maybe that would explain why uh, the district hated you so much. There you so, go. <laughs> you still had a little devil um, in you. But, you know, so, but I didn't realize that my family was not normal until the first day of kindergarten. That was the minute that I realized, oh, wait a second, there's something different about us. Um, there was five kids in my family, Christy being the middle one. And the first day of kindergarten, my last name's Barnum. We go around, I'm one of the first people to talk and I'm talking about, you know, my brother and my three sisters and my one sister sometimes uses a wheelchair and she doesn't talk and she doesn't walk all the time. And, and everybody else went around the circle and nobody else talked about their sister that, or brother who did that. And I was like, and I remember looking at my teacher and going, well, wait a second. She's like, well, honey, your family's special. So I marched my happy butt off the bus when I got home that afternoon and looked at my mom and said, mom, we need to go pick up Christy. I'm taking her to show and tell tomorrow. <laughs> my mom was, you're not taking your sister to show and tell. Um, but whatever. Um, but it was always, you know, Christy was very much a part of our family, even though she didn't live with us. And so I grew up wanting to hear my sister talk, her being involved. Um, when she moved up a little bit farther away um, to a better home, you know, we, the, every other weekend, we were driving to go see her. And so I spent my, my weekends up in Toledo, you know, walking, playing at the park with my sister and, you know, finding ways to interact with her. And I'm much younger than the rest of my brothers and sisters. They're all the next one closest in age to me is seven years older than me. So it's seven to 13 years older than me. So by the time that was going on, it was pretty much mom and I going up to see Christy. So I had full access to Christy and really nobody else to play with at the park. So I was playing with Christy and making up conversations that we were having and, you know, making her play with me and things like that. And, um, you know, it was, it was just our life. Like, I don't know any differently. So I don't know how to explain it. It was what we did. Um, I knew I told my mom at the age of 12 that I wasn't having children. Um, you know, and everybody thought that was going to change. It did not because I was so afraid. We didn't know what we didn't know Rett syndrome at that point. Yeah. So we didn't know. And I was just like, I don't want to risk this. And I think at that age, even then I knew I was going to be the one to take care of Christy. Mm -hmm. um, teenage years, I went through a little time where 
I wasn't as involved with Christy um, just because I was trying to figure out who I was, you know, that normal teenage angst stuff. And I was not a fun teenager, let's be honest. Um, <laughs> so, you know, it was kind of, I kind of, I didn't like completely like leave her, but I just didn't spend as much time with her. Um, and then pretty much starting, I think I went to her first meeting with my mom when I was 21. And then it was, you know, that was my life. Christy was, you know, when I started dating, when I met my ex-husband, it was, you need to understand I'm a package deal. Like Christy is a part of my life and I will be taking care of her and I will be doing all this, um, you know, and should have listened to her because she didn't like him. And that was the one person I, I listened to everybody else. If Christy did not like you, I put my life and I didn't with her, with him. And (laughs) yeah, it was like the day I told her I was getting a divorce. She looked at me and was like, yeah, dumbass. Like, like, what were you thinking? But she, you know what, at the same point, she got to be, she was in my wedding Mm -hmm. and, and she was absolutely amazing. She had the best time. Um, she flew because she was actually up in Ohio when um, I got married. She flew down with her nurse for my wedding. She wore a pretty dress. She got her hair done. Um, the little poop did not drool the whole time her bib was off when her when it was just her dress because she didn't like I was like, see, you can't control <laughs> Um, she sat between her nurse and my grandmother and ate two meals because she would look at her nurse and her nurse would give her a bite of food. Then she'd look at my grandma and my <laughs> she had an absolute ball to the point that when it was time to fly back to Ohio on Sunday night, she wouldn't get on the plane. Oh, she got to the door of the plane, sat down at the door of the plane and refused to get on. <laughs> and so we're sitting down. It was when you could still go down to the, to the, uh, the jetway. Yeah. And yeah. And we're like, I'm like, mom, something's wrong. And she's like, no, everything's fine. I'm sure it's fine. And I see the, the stewardess is like running back and forth and I'm like, something's wrong. And she's like, no, it's fine. I'm like, Oh God. Well, sure enough, we get a call from Donna, her nurse later that night. And she's like, yeah, we finally got off when, um, Christy wouldn't get up and I couldn't lift her. And I said, well, how did you get her up? And she goes, the pilot actually came down, sat on the ground next to Christy and said, I hear you were at your sister's wedding and you didn't want to go home. And he goes, and I don't blame you because you're going back to Ohio and it's cold and it's sucky up there. (laughs) He's like, but he's like, here's the thing, Christy, there's a bunch of kids that have to get back to school. So, you know, I know you don't want to go back. I know you want to stay with your mom and your sister, but we really got to get up. She popped right up and got on the plane. There you go. (laughs) There you go. Which once again, uh, going back to what we were talking about earlier, a prime example of these individuals they are there cognitively. Oh yeah. oh, yeah. They understand what's happening. And uh, all we have to do is recognize that they are going to communicate back with us differently than what we are used to. That is exactly. awesome. And a great job to that pilot. Kudos to him, uh, yeah. unknown pilot, for taking that time to, to sit down and being like, I get it. I understand what you're feeling, but tough beans. Yeah. Tough beans. Yep. You got to go. You know, it just, so I guess when it came time to, you know, pick a thing, that's why I picked special ed. Cause I knew I could do it. Like, I mean, not to, but I lived it my whole life. Um, I think it really being Christy's sister really helped me in being a teacher because I knew what the future looked like, Yeah. you know, I know what happens. And so 
I was always very much on a going to treat my students as typical students and do everything that we possibly could to help them, you know, give them the supports they needed. But B, to make sure that they had everything. I was always looking, going, you know, looking at my assistants or other teachers going, are you going to be with them when they're 50 years old? And they go, no. And I'm like, then stop doing it for them now. Like, that's yeah. a simple fact. Um, you know, so yeah, it was, it was my life. And I wouldn't, like I said, I wouldn't change it for the world. Um, Christy really was, you know, um, literally the best part of my life. Like she was just amazing. And we would have so much, we had so much fun together. Um, but it was hard. Um, it caused a very big rift between me and my mom. Um, especially at the end, because we didn't agree on caregiving and yeah. how to make decisions. And um, my mom, which of course, I, you know, I cannot, I can't even imagine what my mom was dealing with, you know, being her mom. Um, but mom didn't want, you know, she didn't want to give up control, you know, and I think she was starting to realize that she was going to have to because she was getting older, but she didn't want to. So it kind of caused a rift between me and my mom. Um, you know, but, uh, you know, it just, it kind it, it affected all of us in different ways. If you talk to my brothers, my brother and sisters, we all have different kind of memories of how Christy being Christy's sibling was, um, you know, but I think out of everybody, I got the best. Like I got to, I got to see her in so many different ways that, you know, I wouldn't, like I said, I wouldn't change it for the world because she really was just the best. So that's awesome. Well, growing up, what sort of support system was, if any, was there for you, your family, siblings, you're shaking your head. No, nothing. <laughs> nothing. We have nothing. nothing. Big old goose egg. Nothing. Well, Big how, old goose egg. well so w what, w when did you first start to see any sort of community for not necessarily Rett syndrome specifically, but for individuals who have that connection to to other individuals with special needs or family members or whatnot. What, what would, what's the first thing that sticks out to your mind? I would probably say in my twenties, when I started going out and searching for things on the internet, like that was when the internet came around and started looking for ret, you know, like things, because even younger, I don't, you know, I don't even remember there being much, community at the home. Like when we would go see Christy at the home, I don't remember seeing other siblings or other families there. Um, which know. she, when, when was she in the home? Are you talking about in the eighties? Yeah. So she went into the home yeah. in 74 cause I was born in 75. So she mm. went in, the home in 74 and was in a home up until she passed. Yeah. So. Which is just blows my mind that that was standard practice so mm -hmm. recently, so recently that, that is not uh twenties, thirties, forties, even fifties. No, we're talking up into the eighties, the standard practice for an individual, an individual with, um, for example, down syndrome, who there are mm -hmm. many individuals who have down syndrome who are very high functioning individuals and productive yeah. members of the society who hold stable jobs and they do wonderful things for our community. Um, and they were put in homes as well. It was standard practices practice for these doctors to say, no, you can't handle it. And I think in many instances that was probably true mainly because what 
we're talking about right now, which is community. The lack of community, the lack of understanding that, hey, if we pool all of our ideas together of how we are working with these individuals, imagine that that we did not uh, know that simply setting up a way to communicate with our daughter, Zoe, using eyes, literally just yes or no. You look at me for yes, you look away for no. I never would have thought of that. It completely makes sense that that was the case as well. But it's just so insane to me that it was that recently that it was standard practice. My mom, there was another friend of theirs in their group of friends. They they had like this bowling group, I guess, when I was younger. My godmother was one of them. They had like this little Mm -hmm. group of people. And one of the other moms actually had a young son with disabilities. But he was born, I think it was cerebral palsy, and he was born with it. And mom and and this other mom would talk all the time and you know it was they even they really couldn't have that same conversation because her mom his mom would always look at my mom and say i feel bad for you i feel pity for you and mom would be like why you know you're and she's like because at least he came out that way you Mm. had typically typical child Mm. and then she went away that's true and that was, and it, you know, it's funny because I didn't realize it until I got older. I had never seen pictures of Christy. I didn't know that there was pictures existing of Christy before she regressed until shortly before she passed away. Then my oh, mom wow. finally see them because I don't, I think my mom had such a hard time because again, Christy regressed at 15 months and we did not, she was severely profoundly mentally retarded with a severe seizure disorder until she was 21 years old when her neurologist happened to go to Europe for a sabbatical and went to a conference and saw this man standing there who had a young lady next to him who looked just like Christy. And he was like, walked over to him and said, hey, I'm a neurologist from Fairview, Ohio. I would like to know what your daughter has because I have a patient who looks exactly like her. And the guy looked at him and said, this is not my daughter. This is my patient. And we are introducing Rett syndrome today. And I'm Dr. Andreas Rett. What? And, yeah. And whoa. The, and Christy's neurologist called us and he said, I know what Christy has. And we're like, what? And he's like, he goes, this guy, this Dr. Rett just talked about it. And he listed all the symptoms. And literally that's Christy to a T. She has Rett syndrome. Oh my gosh. It's crazy. And it was like, crazy. Okay, now what? And again, but that, I mean, and I'm so thankful. I am so thankful for all of my parents now and my families now that you guys have that community because it's huge. I want to do more to create like more community for the SIDS so that they have somebody they can talk to because that is key to be able to say to somebody, I like, I love my sister, but there were some really crappy times. And to be able to look at somebody else who understands that. And because like, I remember saying that one time we were going through a really bad time with Christy. And I remember saying to one of my friends, God, I just hate being Christy's sister right now. And they're like, how dare you say that? And I'm like, I didn't say I hate my sister. I just hate the whole situation. Yeah. Of course, my friend didn't understand that because God forbid you say anything, you know, but it's you, you have to be able to express that and have somebody who goes, you know what? It does suck sometimes. Yeah. 
Absolutely. That's a, that's 100% well, it, right. It almost puts you, like if you say that you don't like them, it almost puts you in a bad light because yes. they're different. So if you so. so you can't hate them because they are different. I mean, Sam and I will tell you, Zoe clicks. Oh my gosh, her clicking. Let me see if I can do it. <laughs> Let me see if I can do it. You ready? Nope. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> that was like a snort. That was a snort. <laughs> She, she does this good. like clicking sound in the back of her throat. And it's oh, seriously. I think I, got it. I think I got it. Hold on. Hold on. I don't mean to interrupt, but this is really important. Everybody must experience this. Oh, yeah. Just like that. Oh. Over. <laughs> For hours. For hours. And it's. Oh. It is the mm. one. The one thing that gets me. I can well, handle that. everything else. But yeah. It's that one thing that I'm just like. Child, I need a break from you. Yeah, well, and I know also for Sarah that <sighs> it, it, you've you've expressed to me how frustrating it is. The number of therapies um, it can in be. a week can be exhausting. Yeah. for <laughs> Sarah's not going through the therapy. Zoe is, but it is mentally exhausting to have to be there and assisting and uh, scheduling. Yep, yeah, all of that stuff. Yeah. It it is okay to say I do not like the situation yes. I'm in. Yeah. It is okay to wish for for something different because I think we all get in situations like that regardless of of uh, the the whether family members have special needs or not. I, I grew up, nobody in my family had special needs and I at times wished this was different, this was different or this mm -hmm. was different. Mm -hmm. um, but if I and if I had expressed that to anybody, yeah, nobody would have responded to me the way that they responded to you, Courtney, because, Nobody in my family had special needs. They weren't different. Uh, but it's yeah. not understanding. It's the lack right. of education. And and the simple fact of the matter is, 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 you know, the thing I have like the thing is, is it is hard. And you do sit there and you go, okay, you know what? I don't, I don't want to do this today. And the but it one of the things I learned to never say was, I hate Brett. Like, because I said it in front of Christy once and her face fell. Yeah. And she looked at me like, how dare you? And I was like, oh my God, honey, I don't, I don't hate you. I hate. And then I was like, ah, I hate what the disease is, what the stupid syndrome is doing to you. I hate yeah. that you were stuck in your body and you can't express to us. She was in, she was in really bad pain and it, you know, and so it really helped me to learn how to say different things because you do, you hate, you hate Rett syndrome sometimes and you hate what it does to our girls and you hate the but you have to really watch what you say yeah. in front of kids because they pick up on everything. My mom would get mad at one of us or whatever, and she would talk about us in front of Christy. And Christy would give her death stares. Like, don't you talk about my brother and sister like that. They understood. They understand everything. And I see yeah. it all with my kids when I'm working with them. I'm like, oh, mama, she, she, she heard you. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We need to, yeah. we need, Sarah and I have had this conversation multiple times. We have to be conscientious more so it, it and it's very taxing in me to remember I have to speak um to Zoe and in front of Zoe the same way that I would speak in front of any other four year old. Uh just because yeah. she's nonverbal and just because she doesn't typically make eye contact, it doesn't mean that she's dumb. It just mm -hmm. means that she's different and I need to be aware that I, I need to I need to treat her the same.
I wanted yeah. to I wanted to share something uh, about a friend of mine that just recently uh, had her son diagnosed with a not with Rett syndrome but with uh, something called Moat Wilson, which was discovered mm-hmm. in 1999, the same year that um, the gene for uh, Rett syndrome was uh, was discovered. There are currently 200 cases in the world, uh, only 200, and she she's got a very positive outlook on life. I'm very impressed with her. And she shared kind of the long and short of their journey and, you know, what this is going to lead to. And uh, this is actually the second person that I uh, uh, attended high school with that has had a child be born with a very rare disease. The other one, her daughter is one of 19 to ever have been diagnosed with this. Yeah. Wow. And um, I realized with this one, I was like, do you know what? she's not going to have a community like we did coming into Rett syndrome. And I'm incredibly grateful for everybody trying to come together. And even though the Rett family forum can be a lot at times, at least it's something, at least it's something. And so anyways, I just reached out to her and said, I don't understand your situation, but I understand parents of special needs. I'm here for you until you can find your community. Um, we can help you find some resources and whatnot. And it just reminded me of while Rett syndrome sucks, I'm grateful we have Rett syndrome as our diagnosis and not something else where we would be in the dark on anything and everything. Um, yeah, because she, she doesn't even know where to begin. She doesn't even know where to begin. And I, I told her just rely on the other groups that are there whether that's yes. Rett syndrome or autism or Down syndrome, yeah. those families can connect you with resources yeah. um, like, like yeah. Rett um, University that works for anybody. We, right. We, we are not just, I mean, like we, we're called Rett University, but we literally will, we, we don't turn anybody away. We yeah. see anybody who has complex needs because it really does work with all kids. Um, you know, I'm working with a young man in Chicago right now you know, who has autism. I have another young lady in Illinois also who has Down syndrome. I mean, I have clients all over the world and not all of them are red. So. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it seems more and more like what we are um, accomplishing to help individuals in specific areas and specific situations can be taken across um, those boundaries and those lines that have been set for many, many years for yes. very understandable reasons. Uh, but now we can start to coordinate and we can bring those things together, the research and, and the techniques and the tools uh, to benefit the lives of all individuals in the, exactly. in the special needs community. Yes. So, well, Courtney, we are at 50 <laughs> minutes. This is an incredibly long interview and I don't want it to end, but I think we're going to have to end it for now and we're going to have to bring you back on the podcast. So thank you so much for, uh, for coming on the show and talking with us about everything. Um, where can folks go to find more out about Rett University? They can go to rettuniversity.org or they can email me at Courtney at gp2c.org and it's Courtney with a K. Um, we are always, you know, willing to help whomever we need to and see what we can do to, help our kiddos and our adults with complex needs because we love to hear what they have to say. It's usually very fun. (laughs) It definitely is. So thank you so much, Courtney. And definitely visit their uh, website. Reach out to Courtney when you got questions, concerns, and she will be a a wonderful person to talk to. Well, thank you guys very, very much. (laughs) Absolutely.
Thank you so much to Courtney for coming on the podcast for today. I seriously think we could have gone for another hour. <laughs> Just could have kept going on and on. We really could have. So we'll need to bring her back on, but it's so great to get her insight as an individual who not only grew up with a sibling with Rett syndrome, very insightful, but also as somebody who is absolutely an advocate for not just those with Rett syndrome, but all with special needs. Yep. She's, she's done a lot and, uh, I admire her. I do too. A little bit. I kind of want to be her. <laughs> um, are you going to go to a Rett conference and say, how do I be you when I grow up? Maybe, <laughs> maybe I, I, I kind of a little bit want to be her, but at the same time I don't because she exhausts me. That sounds mean. No, it's a, it's not, it's not a mean thing. It's a, it's a compliment to her. Mm -hmm. She has so much energy and she does so much. Yeah, she does. That she just, it, she exhausts me. Yeah. Like. <laughs> she, from, from what I understand, very limited understanding of, of her schedule. Um, she is busy. Yep. Very busy, and it's incredibly admirable what she does. So thank you, Courtney. Definitely go check out um, uh, the uh, Rett University website. Reach out to her if you have questions um, or you seeking help. She has been a wonderful asset and resource for us. Yes, A huge. great ally for us. And so definitely, uh, definitely reach out to them, if not to begin services with them, to just have them as a connection in your tool belt. Yep. All right, Sarah. It's time for Can't Leave It. Can't Leave It. What can't you leave? Um, so I have decided in my late 20s that um, being adult means that you have a skin routine, <laughs> a skincare routine. <laughs> I think. <laughs> so <laughs> I have purchased... Daytime and nighttime moisturizer <laughs> and and face wash <laughs> because that is how you adult, I think. <laughs> I don't know. I'm still trying I'm, to figure it out. I'm, I'm laughing not because you're, <laughs> you've decided to do a, a face routine. I'm laughing because you're like, oh, man, <laughs> I'm old. <laughs> I, I, I don't, I don't mean it like that. I just mean like I've hit the point in my life where I'm like, hmm, I should probably, isn't this something that, that people do? Maybe I, I should start doing this. Like I've always washed my face, but I've never had like a, a routine, you know? I think it's just adding the word routine to it. It makes it sound more adult and, and uh, <laughs> proper. I'm a... Oh my gosh, Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so that's new. I've started that. I've been consistent for about a week now. Well, when this comes out, it'll be who knows. <laughs> um, hopefully, I will still be consistent when this comes out. Otherwise, you're gonna look like you're you're dying. I know. You're knocking on the death bags, star. the 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 uh -huh. wrinkly skin, the all of that. Yes. All of that. Um, 
That's my can't leave it though. I'm Gosh. I'm trying to adult. So I'm, I'm old and therefore my I didn't say I was old. I said okay. I'm being an adult <laughs> and I'm being responsible. And that's what you do as a responsible adult. You have a skincare routine. Uh-huh. Sam? Yeah. I'm scared to ask. Why? What is your can't leave it? Why are you scared? Because I never know what's going in, on inside your head. I didn't know what yours was going to be either. Yeah, but mine are never quite as out there as yours. This one is pretty out there. I'm not going to lie. Oh, dear. Last episode, I introduced you. Oh, no. Oh, to no. To a special person. Oh, no. And I said, if you are if you are listening to this in Europe, you can vote in Eurovision. You must vote in the Icelandic entry of Dati Freya and whatever the last part of the name of the band is, which is in Icelandic and I absolutely cannot pronounce. And I'm not even going to try because I've I've put it into Google Translate about <laughs> five times <laughs> and I can't say it. <laughs> I am not exaggerating right after we recorded that. We went. Uh-huh. Uh, we went into our bedroom. I turned on the television to turn on a nightly program, and unfortunately, I came across a Eurovision entry from Russia that devastated my soul, and has has infected my ears. Oh no! Which one? For oh, you know which one. Oh. It has infected my ears for the past two weeks. Oh, no. It's been bad. It, Sarah, rightfully he's... so, is saying, oh, no. The The scariest part was for about 10 minutes, I thought that this group was in this year's contest. They're not? They're not. <gasps> they were last year's entry. Oh. Yes. Because I guarantee you these guys would have won. No. They would have absolutely Lost. won. Who? These guys that I'm going to play? Yeah. Hold on. Before we go any further, I'm going to uh, play the first little bit of the song okay. for you. Um, keep in mind that this is a Russian group, and they are singing uh, about typically Spanish things. Oh, no. The, the big problem is right now, you cannot see what's happening. Sarah is dancing, mind you. Okay, we're going to stop there. <laughs> I I can sense the hate so much from from coming from you. So much. Do you want to know why? Why? 
Because it gets stuck in your head. And I go I around the house singing, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no. <laughs> and it's so obnoxious. <laughs> so obnoxious. So, I mean, it's an obnoxious song. The whole song. It's incredibly, they just count. It's incredibly obnoxious. Well, and, and here's the other thing. They count wrong. They go uno, dos, cuatro. They completely omit tres, which is three. So they go one, two, four, one, two, four, one, two, four. It doesn't fit. No. It doesn't no, fit into it their rhythm. Make, well, it doesn't fit into their rhythm, but it doesn't make sense. Why are they? And then the, the pinnacle of it all is the music video. It is a it is a simple masterpiece. It is Did you, art. You, really? Yes. No. Yes. No. Oh yes, 100%. Absolutely no. it is. I'm going to leave a link to the video in the description and I want you to go watch it. Uh I I do caution you though because as I mentioned, it has been stuck in my ears for the past two weeks. And it will stick. You know, it it's possible that it was stuck in your ears for the past two weeks because you played it nonstop. Whoa, I did play it nonstop because it was stuck in my ear. And I, I, I have to be careful what I'm saying because I don't want it to come across as crude. Um, <laughs> I needed it to, I needed to hear the full song. For the the, the for earworm to, to yeah to be satisfied and go away. So, anyways, you have been warned. You have been warned, but uh, the group is called Little Big. All of their music is absolutely crazy weird. Very uh, weird. I uh, just out there. You've been warned, and you wouldn't need the warning if he hadn't told you about it. So you're welcome. <laughs> So enjoy uh, <laughs> listening to Little Big's Uno. And with that, thank you so much for joining us for this episode. Be sure to subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts so that you're notified when we publish episodes, which is every other Monday morning. And please leave us a rating. Leave us a message or a question on the Anchor app and you can become part of the show. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Pretty Happy Pod where we share episode clips, news and updates, and photos of our adorable daughter. If you would like to be interviewed on our show, reach out to us on any of our social media accounts, or you can send us an email at prettyhappypod at gmail.com. For more information about Rett Syndrome, visit rettsyndrome.org.